Good morning and welcome to this Monday's convocation. I trust everybody's back and in the groove of things. Uh, first full Monday of classes. Uh, I was reminded this morning, and granted this uh, dates me a bit, but I do watch the weather on occasion and want to just give you a heads up. Um, if you think winter has come, it's still coming. Uh, they are saying the rest of this week, three to six inches of snow tonight, and then the numbers three and six are the highs in temperature for Thursday, Friday. So if you don't have a coat, borrow somebody's. Please don't steal it. Okay. I am Bill Bourne, Vice President for Student Life, Dean of Students. I assume many of you, if not all of you, already know that. Um, I am on for today to share uh, a convocation that was initially intended to be early in the fall semester, uh, a review of some changes to how uh, student life is responding to issues within the community standards uh, and alcohol use. For a number of reasons, primarily guest speakers who were available and able to come in September, October, Becky Horst and I bumped the convocation back and ultimately decided we would uh, go with it at the outset of the spring. And as I look back, I think maybe that was a good call because we have the fall semester to reflect on and the spring semester to look forward to as we think about these issues. This morning for convocation, I want to address primarily three things. The overview of this response, this change entitled BASICS, it's an acronym and I'll cover it here in a bit, as well as an overview of other areas of community standards response, areas that have been informed over uh, work in, in the way of reviewing sexual misconduct, as well as then finally a summary overview of community standards overall. Overarching assumptions for this morning, uh, given the topic, are these. Uh, I don't have interest in sharing a lot of data, statistics, and things of that nature. Uh, that would take too much time, and I think it's okay for all of us to own that these are realities and issues present on our campus. They have negative outcomes, uh, some of our choices, and implications not only for us individually, but for other members of the community as well. My thoughts this morning also reflect our core values because we keep going to those time and time again and if we don't, we're remiss. And so yes, core values inform much of our work and much of where we're coming from. But in this midst of talking about um, one element of campus life, student life, community life, I don't want us to forget all the good. Sometimes we can get in this, this mode of just honing in on the negative and that's not the intent. I would venture to say more than 95% of the time closer to 100% of the time, this campus community is making great choices, doing great things, and living in community very well. And that is an underlying assumption I want to make at the outset. So to begin this uh, first piece on how did we get to this point of review, a quick summary. When I arrived in 2002-03, the standard was a punitive fine right off the bat. If there was an issue, community standard violation, this was the response. Over time, we took student satisfaction inventories, held focus groups, and engaged in dialogue, and changed some of our response uh, in addressing these issues to issues and opportunities for more community service and enhanced educational programming. Culminating all of this were a couple of forums last year held by our student senate. And in those forums, you, the students, specifically noted quotes such as these. And I would highlight, first of all, 
correct. We are not a state university setting, and for that, I want to affirm us. Uh, that is a good thing. We intentionally try not to be that because we are a community and we want to be community together. But what's key in these quotes would be the third one, the one in the middle. People need to evaluate not the who, and I would add the what or the where, as much as the why. And I think that is the deeper issue as we think about this one element of our campus life together. These forums, the ongoing work through student satisfaction and response from students in focus groups led Shar Hostetler, Lana Rohr, and myself to attend a national conference on college student alcohol use and mental health. And it was at that conference where the keynote speaker, Jason Kilmer, presented brief alcohol uh, intervention for college students uh, to us as a means by which we might consider uh, a possible new approach. This diagram shows a continuum of program and intervention uh, at, the, at the center of the basics response. To the far left would be uh, primary and prevention and education. Um, in some respects, some of the convocations we've done in the past, the interaction Shar may have with you on occasion informal dialogue and conversation. And as you move to the right to more mild and then moderate and severe use, other means of intervention and response. And I would say to you, the spectrum reflects Goshen College. We do have each year opportunities to engage at multiple levels. But it's between the mild and the moderate where this new approach probably fits best. And yes, it comes to light through community standards and accountability responsibility. In short, basics, this brief alcohol screening and intervention approach is a harm reduction approach. Yes, our standard is abstinence, dry campus, but at the very least, if it's not going to be that, how can we best inform and work with students for their own safety and well-being? It's an individualized assessment process with personalized feedback uh, where the decisions for response and change solely lie with the students. It's our hope that through uh, the work, they're informed, they think about, and they learn some things not only about themselves, but the broader community life and campus, and from that, engage in some potential change. Beyond the patterns, the problems, the norms, and the outcomes listed through basics, again, a model established uh, and built around a university setting, uh, we took additional areas based on our core values and culture to mind. And taking these into mind, then built them into the five assessments that we created, uh, that we use as a part of this response process. Those assessments were completed in August and reviewed by two different student groups. We wanted feedback from students before we put this in place. And I do want to note that there is, while four of them are fairly standardized or a merger of other tested uh, assessments uh, being utilized elsewhere, uh, there is a fifth that Dwayne Kaufman, retired psychology professor, helped frame around our core values that we, in essence, have named the GC Inventory. Uh, and I want to publicly state my thanks for Dwayne's assistance uh, in that work. These are in place. They're being utilized uh, as a part of community standards response. And as we continue to work with them, uh, we'll grow uh, data uh, sort of center and base for our own community understanding and norms uh, that then can maybe respond and, and reflect back as a part of the process to individual students. I might also note that um, at this conference we gathered with uh, the other leadership teams of the other Mennonite colleges and talked about this model 
uh, and we'll be getting back together uh, in February to talk about it again. And I'm pleased to be able to go and say we're trying something uh, and we'll get more feedback and reflection from the other Mennonite schools. Now basics was a piece of several pieces of review that took place last year. And I want to note, um, in addition to the implementation of basics for this year, uh, there was a request in September of 2007 uh, for a review of our sexual assault policies. And so I want to take this opportunity to reflect on that a bit uh, and give you some information uh, related to those mechanisms for response. I'll say a bit more on that here in, in a couple of slides. Through that review, uh, where we invited an external um, professional firm to take a look at what we do and how we do it, uh, different ideas surfaced related to our other standards response mechanisms. And so in an effort to uh, coalesce all of them together in one seeming uh, similar fashion, uh, we made some changes to the residence hall and judicial board formats and reframed them as res hall remained the same, uh, dealing with issues within res hall life primarily, but the judicial board becoming the standards response team to match the, the student sexual misconduct response team format that was counseled for us to implement. I do want to note that these structures represent um, a student life faculty member, uh, a teaching faculty member, and a student uh, appointed by the student senate. In terms of the student sexual misconduct response team model, um, it was recommended that a team of six be pulled together, uh, trained, and then charged with working with issues of misconduct that may surface. I'm going to share these six individuals' names with you as a resource, as people who have uh, willingly been, uh, well, willingly affirmed, but then willingly uh, volunteered their time to work with this. Jean Lichty, Dean Rhodes, Lisa Gadea Carreño, Lana Rohr, Glenn Gilbert, and Jewel Lehman are those six individuals. I would invite you, if you have any questions on these items, even ahead of any concern, to feel free to engage any one of them and talk through uh, the nature of their work uh, as they do their work uh, in confidence. Other elements beyond the new structure related to sexual misconduct was broadening the definition uh, in the past, we talked about sexual assault, uh, the, the, what may be perceived, and I think rightly so, more extreme cases uh, of, of inappropriate behavior. By reframing it as sexual misconduct, uh, we are now able to broaden the definition in such a way to address more subtle uh, and maybe frequent instances of inappropriate behavior on campus. By doing so, we also have the opportunity, as issues arise that may not be as severe in nature, uh, to educate the campus community and engage one another in good conversation before the stakes are much higher than they may be otherwise. Again, this was a great move and great counsel that we received, and we have put it into place. In terms of process, the process by which these things are managed when they come to our attention that process really has not changed since the prior format in terms of sequence, but it is now documented and clearly articulated in our campus community standards. I would highlight that there still are avenues for therapeutic and emotional care for individuals. Uh, there are still avenues for formal and civil process if a student wishes to pursue them. 
as well as avenues for internal process and management. And I would highlight, as is the case with any community standards issue that we work with, these things are done in confidence. Well, that takes us through parts one and two of this morning's convocation. Uh, and in essence, it's been a review of how we engage the process of response to community standards issues around alcohol and sexual misconduct. A review, in essence, of the written rules, if I may, what's documented in our community standards. And I would note to you a document you can go online and take a look at at any time if you want to get further information on how we do our work. But like the student who said at the Student Senate Forum, it's not so much the who and the where as much as the why. There is a deeper level to our work. And I want to, in this third portion of this convocation, address some of those matters. Lane Miller, in his chapel in November, as he reflected on claiming God's hope, challenged us to take our core values to a personal level, and even went so far as to say they might be issues of attitude. And that's, in essence, what we're talking about here. There are core values. There are things by which we engage and reflect and define who we are. But at a deeper level, we personalize them in our day-to-day -day life, interactions with each other, and conduct. Our core values inform this paragraph in our community standards early on. And I have tried not to read slides today verbatim because that drives me nuts when I have to sit as an audience member. But this one I am going to read because I think it warrants and speaks to why we do deeper work. And I will note there are a couple of parentheses in this. In our standards, it simply states students. But today, I want to make it very clear that this conversation is applicable not only to students, but to faculty and staff as well. The invitation to Christian community. Goshen College is committed to encouraging students, and I would say all members of our community, in intellectual, social, moral, and spiritual growth. We are invited to engage in a dynamic and life-giving community here and to mature as individuals through respectful relationships in the classroom, the local community, and the broader Christian church, and among other cultures. All, all of us are expected to demonstrate sensitivity and concern for others' convictions, perspectives, and struggles. This is where authentic relationships are established, when we take this to heart and say, yes, this is the part of the community we want to be engaged with. I was reminded this last week, Wednesday, on this portion related to respectful relationships in the classroom, local community, and beyond, when Mayor Ellen Kaufman, who himself proclaims that he was a hellion as a student here and does so every opening convo when new students arrive, called me, and yes, he called me in reference to a specific situation, but he called me and wanted to engage me as a local community leader uh, where Goshen College um, stands as a key integral part of this community. He called me and said, you know, I hope, Bill, you're helping everyone on your campus understand that when they make a bad choice, it's not only a reflection on themselves, but it then reflects on the broader campus community within our local community. And while he was speaking to one instance, and it, yes, did involve students, I want to say, given my interactions with him in the past and in this community, other examples have come to me that aren't solely student-based, but based on faculty and staff representation of Goshen College as well. A challenge for all of us to be sensitive to think about what it means 
to live in Christian community. We affirm community life here. We believe that we are unique based on these personal and corporate values of honesty, trust, respect, and responsibility that inform our core values uh, as a Christ-centered institution. And we see the value of interacting as subgroups with one another in day-to-day meaningful ways. We see all the positive outcomes, that 95 plus percent stemming out of this model, uh, SST, academic learning in the classroom, opportunity to engage in co-curriculars with one another in competition uh, or in performance, even the day-to-day res life experiences of building authentic relationships that will be held with you for a lifetime. These are critical pieces to what this affirming of community life model represents. At the same time, we're also each individuals, one part of this greater whole. And we each bring our varied perspectives, stories, and experiences to this life-giving community in such a way that we learn from each other, we challenge each other, um, and grow together. I already mentioned Lane Miller's chapel last November. Uh, I was struck by three chapels or convocations last semester, and I'm going to try to reference some portion of each of them. Uh, The second that struck me was Joe Lichty's Uh, reflections on how to be the odd one out and completely at home. In that convocation, he addresses this model of individuality and difference in a very articulate way. He states that GC needs to be a place where each of you feels free to be as different as you want to be, as different as you need to be, and at the same time, completely at home. And that is our goal. He also then goes on to say that while we represent all this difference, we need to be a family. And as a family, that's made up of, again, this diagram of the different entities and subgroups. And as a family, we don't say anybody must be of some faith tradition, um, some ethnic background, or some form of identity. But because we share our core values, and within that set of core values, I would then say we share expectations for community life together. We find a successful means by which to be a reasonable family in a good home. There are periodic pitfalls and challenges, and I want to name these not solely as observations from my professional role, but as observations from my engagement in community life, such as Goshen College, over the last 25 years. And again, I note that as family members, all of us contribute to the life of this place. And these pitfalls apply to each and every one of us. Over the past 25 years, I've been a student. I've been an athletic coach, an admissions counselor, resident director, administrator, and now cabinet member here at Goshen College. And each day, I'm challenged with some of these pitfalls as I think about community life and interaction with my peers each and every one of you. I can tell you story after story of where I have exercised some of these on my own behalf, only to learn later, wow, I didn't give myself opportunity to learn as I should have. Um, I won't bore you with those, but be happy to share them and the mentors who helped reframe for me understandings related to these challenges. Of these pitfalls, I want to specifically name one because I do think it is unique to us, uh, given my experiences uh, and my work. 
And all I ask is that we take time to think about this one example and think about it in such a way that um, we may be challenged to reconsider how we may respond from time to time. That pitfall is the third one on this list. For all that is good about our intentioned vision for peace and justice, I do think sometimes we run the risk as a campus community internally reframing and redirecting personal accountability and responsibility in the context of an issue of injustice and victimization. And I think when we do that, we run the risk of undermining learning, personal growth, and community life. I can name some pretty small and subtle ways in which we do that. Academically, we may miss class because we are up too late. That's ours to own. That's our responsibility if that happens. That may be primarily the one student example I'm giving here, unless there are faculty who tend to miss class. Administratively, we don't have to go. But here are three more examples ap uh, applicable to any one of us. I can speak to the parking issue because I'm the one where the parking tickets come when they're being asked to be waived. But I tell you, if we know better and we get that second and that third parking ticket because it's more convenient, that's not the institution's issue. And that's true not of only students, but faculty and staff as well. There are issues beyond Goshen College for you as students now, but all of us related to personal finance and finance management. These are things we need to learn sooner rather than later. And finally, on the issues that we've addressed today, substance use and personal choices, again, not solely applicable to students alone, we have choices to make. And when those issues surface and how we live in community with each other, we need to pause, reflect, and take ownership. And to bring this maybe a little closer to home, let me name two taglines that, yes, I often hear, and yes, I have utilized in the past myself, that if referenced, I think, cause good reason for us to stop and go, now wait a minute, am I taking ownership or diverting responsibility? And those taglines are this. One, I'm not feeling heard. And two, I'm not feeling safe in this interaction. I really do believe too often we slip into that mode as a community that values peace and justice. We slip into that mode as a way to divert responsibility and accountability. And I challenge us to rethink how we do our community life together around that issue. So where do we go from here? Well, I want to go back and reiterate again what I said at the outset and tried to say in the midst of this presentation. Let's keep in mind and truly focus on all that is good. I remind myself of that often. It needs to be done. Everything that we're about, our values, our programs, our people, especially you, the students, are great and make us unique and distinctive. But at the same time, let's keep mindful the fact that we are a community of learning. That's intentional, not just an institution of learning, because there's much to be said about relationships. And as a place where we share the value of community, share our core values, we must also share our community standards. They're there for a reason. And in the long run, I think, for the good of the place and the people. Consider your own personal relationships with each other, within your own institutional subgroups, but also within the local and global community. 
We have opportunities through SST and all the multiple engagements, even here in Goshen, to interact with people. And we must keep in mind who we are and how we represent ourselves in those settings. And finally, one last remark. I know we often try to separate faith and convocation or faith and personal choice. As a Christian community, we cannot. We are called to be a community of, of, of Christians and as a place of faith, as a Christ-centered institution, and we need to be mindful that these things do go hand in hand. The third chapel convocation that I was struck with, and probably struck with the most last semester, was Michelle Hirschberger's chapel in late September. Chapel entitled um, Adjusting the Lens of Salvation, Biblical Jesus and Shalom, a chapel where she articulated uh, better than I had heard in some time and I could ever imagine doing myself. Uh, the shalom and vision and identity of a place like Goshen in the midst of all that we're passionate about and all that we do in community. But a, but a, a place also where we look for transcendency and look for outlets and look for means by which to find identity within this community, sometimes not in healthy fashions. She specifically named our tendencies sometimes towards substance use and abuse to meet that transcendent need. In short, she challenged us to think about redefining peace and finding that peace through spiritual and biblical salvation in Jesus. I was struck, I was moved, and I told myself I would find some way to reference that again. And so I have done that because I think it was very powerful as she challenged us that day. So finally, where do we go from here? I want to offer you the three convocation chapels that I've referenced because I think these messages from people within our family and within our community are messages that could be repeated and we can learn from. We keep these podcasts for a reason. Take the hour and a half and listen to these back to back to back sometime, an hour and a half, and think about what this means within community life and maybe even within the context of community standards for one another. And I'd also say that in my interactions with the Student Senate, we have talked together about uh, reviewing and talking further about community standards, and it's my hope that this, this convocation begins that chat campus-wide, and they have full intentions of picking this up yet through the spring semester. So with that said, thank you for your attention, uh, for my opportunity to share with you some changes, but also challenge us a bit in how we live in community. Go from here and have a great week. Thanks.